The following message was given by Demetrius White on Sunday, December 22nd at Redemption Hill Church. For more information about the church, visit us online at www.redemptionhill.com. Good morning, everyone. Glad that you uh, made it out on this Christmas season day. Um, I know we probably have many people traveling, but I'm glad you're here, and it's an honor and a privilege to preach to you once again, uh, particularly the truths found in the scripture, and to glorify our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, He's always faithful, and I pray that he would meet us this morning. If you would be so kind to join me in Revelation chapter 22, I would greatly appreciate it. And if, when you get there, say amen. We'll read chapter 22 in its entirety. Can you hear me okay? Good. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any accursed, anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign with him forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard them and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers the prophets and with those who keeps the wor- keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do righteous, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that, they, so that they may have a right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are dogs and sorcerers, the sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star, The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires to take the water of life without price come. I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy, the prophecy of this book, 
If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in his book. And if anyone takes away the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I present his righteousness and merit before you this morning because I have none of my own. I need your spirit. These people may have thought that they have come to hear me preach. They don't need to hear me. They need to clearly hear your voice this morning and hear from the Spirit of God. May we not listen this morning, but hear with our spiritual ears. See with our spiritual eyes. Help us this morning, Lord. Warn us this morning. Heal us this morning. Convict us this morning. Holy Spirit, apply this truth to our hearts this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. It has been said of the book of Revelation that it is a mystery, or a book of mystery, and a book of misery. A book of mystery because of its profound symbolism. A book of misery because of the dreadfulness of God's judgment. However, to limit the book of Revelation to these two points is to miss the true intent of the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is an apocalypse in the Greek, an unveiling. It is not just an unveiling of a thing, but an unveiling or a revelation of a person, the person of Jesus Christ. Contrary to popular belief, the book of Revelation is not a revelation of an antichrist, a false prophet, Satan, demonic magistrates, blood moons, world empires, or as Shelby likes for me to say, potentates or world leaders. Nor is the book of Revelation a manual to exhaust your, your particular eschatological view. It is a revelation of Jesus Christ. This book was written during the reign of Domitian, a man who dubbed himself Dominus et Deus, Lord and God. The church was threatened with compromise, false teaching, and persecution. John himself was thrown into prison because of his gospel preaching. In the midst of such trial, in the midst of such turmoil, the church had to know that Jesus Christ was still Lord and God, not Domitian, we need to hear that today. We need to know that Trump, Obama, they're not Lord and God. Jesus Christ is still, according to Revelation 1-5, the king of the rulers of the earth. Mark it, stamp it, and read it. This situation is no different from ours. We must see Jesus Christ in all of his glory. We must have a God in trance vision of who Jesus Christ is. And that is what the book of Revelation gives us. 
In the book of Revelation, we see Jesus Christ revealed as a few things. We see him as the Lord Advocate General of the church. We see him as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. We see him as the Lamb that has been slain before the foundation of the world. We see him as God's Son. We see him as the King of the nations. He is the unrivaled, undisputed, undefeated champion of the universe. We see Jesus Christ as the Master of Providence. He tells the stars when to fall, the nations when to bow, demons when to move, and the unrepentant when to bow their knee in repentance. He is the master of time who will bring all things to their respective ends. He is the good yet dreadful judge. He is revealed as the soon coming king. He is the Lord Sabaoth, the Lord of angels. This is your Christ. Jesus Christ is continually being revealed to us even in this 22nd chapter. We see Jesus Christ's glory manifested to us in this 22nd chapter in his consummation and in his coming. And I pray today that you will hear his voice. I pray today that as you meditate upon these truths, as the Holy Spirit applies these truths to you, that you would repent of your sin. That you would come to trust in Jesus Christ alone. In Revelation 22 verses 1 through 5, we see Christ's glory manifested in his consummation. In this last chapter of Revelation, we see Christ's glory here. We see the consummation or the completion of all things. Matter of fact, in Revelation, Revelation 22, 1 through 5, is a continuation of what Christ has revealed to us in Revelation 21, that he is making all things new. What is the consummation? In the context of eschatology or end-time events, it can be defined as the goal or the end. The consummation is what the goal line is to a football player. When they cross the goal line, they score a touchdown. Christ's goal is to bring all things into full manifestation of what he has accomplished in the gospel. He is going to bring all things and make all things new. It is because of his death, burial, and resurrection that things will change. They are, will assuredly change. Verses 1 through 5 will give us a glimpse into what Christ has been working on. He is working to bring in a new heaven and a new earth. And the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ will be so profound that it will cover the, the earth like waters to see. Habakkuk 2.14 John wants us to notice several blessings in these first five verses. Notice verse 1, there is refreshing, a river of life. In verse 2, there is nourishment. There is nourishment seen in the tree of life. There is rejuvenation in verse 3, the healing of the nations. In that word nations, it's ethnon. He means that he is going to heal all of the racial and political hostilities that are in the world today. I want to just throw this out to you. You cannot reconcile the races. You cannot reconcile ethnic groups out side of the glory and majesty and the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't do it. But Jesus Christ will manifest and show us that in all of his glory when he comes back. Here we also have the blessing of the release from the curse in verse 3. There is fulfillment. Notice in verse 4, they shall see the face of God. We will once again walk with God, fellowship with God without sin. There is also this statement that there will be 
no night there. And for, that is significant because in 1 Timothy 6.16, it says that God dwells in a light that is unapproachable to human beings. This speaks to us about the proximity and closeness of God that we shall have with him and he will have with us. No longer will there be barriers to our fellowship. We will come to God in fellowship with him without obstruction. It is because of what Jesus Christ has done in the gospel. It is because he has hung on the cross for your sin, for my sin, that he has made a new and living way. His life, his blood, his righteousness gives us access to God. I want you to notice this blessing here. This one really shocked me. This one really blessed me. This one tickled my feet a little bit. It said that we shall reign with him. Have you ever thought about that? I don't even know what that means. I'm not going to even try to expound it. I don't know what it means. But he said, we will reign with him. You know, when I started studying this chapter, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read the book of Revelation. I'm going to start where I'm going to, because everybody knows when I get to work, I start to read scripture. I'm going to start with one chapter in the morning when I get to work, and then on my lunch break, I'm read another chapter. And I got to the third chapter. And this really shocked me. I read something so amazing, so otherworldly, that if God did not say it, I would say that it was blasphemous. But in Revelation 3.21, Jesus says this, the one who conquers will sit with me on my throne. How amazing is that? And I've said this time and time again at at our services. We are too easily entertained by things that will wash away in a million years. You're entertained by Michael Jordan? Really? We're easily entertained. In this book, the Bible, there are such amazing astronomical truths concerning our redemption that it could keep you occupied for an eternity if you just sat down and thought about them. All of these gifts, listen, verses 1 through 5, verse 1, all of this flows from the throne of God. Look at how good your God is. All of these blessings flow from the throne of God. But this is the greatest gift of heaven. He is the greatest gift of heaven. He is the best gift of heaven. Our triune God, he is better than the new Jerusalem, its streets of gold, the angels, the gifts of heaven, the new earth, the fellowship of the saints. He himself. Let me tell you what. If you were to go to heaven for a street of gold, we as human beings, we have small minds. We think we're smart. We have some, that street of gold will be bored. You will be bored with that street of gold the next day. I'm going to tell you what, you will not be bored in heaven. You will not be bored on the new heaven and the new earth. Why? No eye have seen nor ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians 2.19. It says that God in eternity, he will express the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us for an eternity. I don't even know what that means. I'm not going to even try to tell you what it means unless I become blasphemous or something. 
God will be your greatest gift. In Jesus Christ, in his infinite being, you will be satisfied and entertained for all of eternity. Every day, every day, every minute, every second, every year, every millennium, you will see different facets of the glory and majesty of Jesus Christ. You will end up like an angel. You will not want to leave the throne of God because he will be so satisfying to you. Let me ask you this question. Do you think this way about God? Huh? I'm going to get on the pulpit for this one. Do you think this way about God? Huh? Do you treasure God? Do you enjoy God? Do you say, I can live without anything else, but I cannot, like David, do not take your spirit away from me, God. You can take my business. You can take my house. You can take everything, but do not take your presence from me. Do you think that way about God? Can you live without God? You must ask yourself this question. If you found out that the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit were not going to be uh, in heaven, could you live with it? Could you take joy in heaven's grand living conditions? No poverty, no sickness, the saints of old, the prosperity of the kingdom, the opulence of the kingdom. If you hesitate, you must examine yourself. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest gift of heaven. I have a son in heaven, and I want to see him bad. But I'm going to tell you what, when I get to heaven... I want to see Christ. I don't want to see Elijah. I don't want to see John Calvin. Huh? I want to see Jesus Christ. And I don't know what I'm going to do when I see him. I'll probably just melt all over the place. You be like, there's that, there's deeds. Got snot all over the place. Somebody help him out. Scrape him up. Do you enjoy Christ? We saw that there's nourishment, refreshment, healing, fulfillment. Who are you looking to and what are you looking to for, re- for refreshment, for healing and nourishment? Your spouse, you've chosen a lousy God. Is it your boyfriend or your girlfriend? They're woefully deplorable. I hate to break the news to you. Are you looking to Christ? for your fulfillment and your satisfaction. He is the bread of life and the water of life and you will only find sufficient satisfaction in the person and work of Jesus Christ. I can assure you of that. I can assure you, I can't assure you of many things, but I can assure you of that. There is a warning in the first five verses. Notice here in verse three, there is nothing accursed or vile, unclean, evil that shall be there. Dear saints, listen. When I was studying this verse, when I got to verse 3, Psalm 24 verse 3 came to mind. Who shall ascend into the holy hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And it struck me. Because outside of Christ, I'm not that. You're not that. This is a problem. 
This cannot be true of me. It cannot be true of us. The scripture, this scripture, if you read it correctly, indicts us. God should have shut the doors to heaven. It says in the scripture, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This verse is only true of Jesus. He was the only one without sin. He was the only one who had a clean, who had clean hands and a pure heart. And yet on the cross, the Father placed your sins, my sins upon him. He became the accursed thing so that you could have access to the Father. This is the goodness and glory of the gospel. God spewed forth his wrath upon Christ, his wrath of abandonment to such an extent he cried out to the Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He swallowed the infinite bowels of hell on the cross. And he is the only one that could look up to God and say it is finished. People in hell right now can't look up to God and say it is finished. They drink of his wrath day after day and they will infinitely. But Jesus Christ drank it in about three and a half hours and said it is finished. Behold, you are Christ. This verse not only gives us a warning, it tells us or it warns us of the fleeting nature of this present age. This age, my dear friends, is being folded up like a garment. You realize that, right? You and I, contrary to popular belief, you can tuck it, you can pull it back, but you're getting old. <laughs> you're getting old. My daughter reminds me that I'm losing my hair. That's okay. Because I'm already married. My wife's stuck with me now. <laughs> huh? But this temporal age, this evil age, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the lust of the eye, it is all passing away. You realize that, right? 1 John 5, 19 tells us that this age, the present order of things, lies in the lap of Satan. Do you realize that? This age and its trappings are being wrapped up. There's always a debate, right? We, I hear it at work. It drives me crazy, so that's why I talk about this stuff all the time. But people talk about Michael Jordan all the time at work. I'm, oh, I don't know about your job. They talk about who's the greatest basketball. They talk about Michael Jordan. Who's the greatest soccer player? They talk about Lionel Messi. Who's the greatest golfer? They talk about Jack Nicholas or the Golden Bear or Tiger Woods, and there's always this debate. But let me tell you something. Your favorite athlete, your favorite preacher, in 10 million years will not get the airtime that Jesus Christ will get. They will all, listen, whether they believe him or not, they will all bow their knee and they will call him Lord. Well, Demetrius, I don't believe in God. I don't believe Jesus Christ is God. I, I might not believe in gravity, but guess what? Is gravity still going to work? Yes. You may not believe Jesus Christ is God, but let me tell you what, you will one day see him and you will say one thing out of your mouth. You may want to blaspheme, but you're going to cry out, Lord, and hit the deck. 
John wants us to realize that this age is passing away. This passage calls us to seek those things that are above. What does Colossians 3, 1 says? It says to seek those things that are above where Christ your life is placed. You must think deeply upon these things. Why? Because Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. When you focus upon the glory and majesty of Jesus Christ and what is to come, it will suit your heart to heaven. This passage calls us, it warns us, it calls us to look to things above. It tells us that things are passing away. John does not want us to simply focus on the new age to come, but he wants us to know or understand how this new age will come into play. Jesus will bring all things to their respective ends by his coming. Revelation 22, 6 through 21 focuses upon the second coming of Jesus Christ. As this great revelation comes to an end, in verse 6, it ge- Jesus gives us the unadulterated truth. He says, listen, what he says, he says, the sayings are trustworthy and true. These things will surely take place. How will they take place? He will come again. In these verses, the Lord addresses the imminency of his coming. Notice in verse 7, behold, I am coming soon. Notice verse 12, behold, I am coming soon. Notice verse 20. I am coming soon. This repetition is is there on purpose. He wants you to feel the gravity and the weight of his coming. That he will come and he shall not delay. So John gives us several exhortations that we must consider if we're going to live in the light of Christ's second coming. Number one, in order to live in the light of Christ's second coming, we must become a people of the book, verses six through seven. Notice here in verses six through seven, it says, and he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophet, had sent his angels to show his servant, which must soon take place. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophet. If you're going to live in the light of Christ's second coming, you must become a person of the book. You must devour this book. You must trust this book. You must meditate upon this book to fit yourself for heaven. Psalm 19 verse 7 says the word washes us. Ephesians 5 26 likens the word to water. It cleanses us from the filth of this world. As you read the word of God, you see the glory and majesty of Jesus Christ. You see Jesus Christ bearing the wrath of God for us. We see the love of the Father by sending Jesus to us. We see that we cannot save ourselves from our sins, and we live in the light of that. And it fixes our minds for heaven. Listen, do you have a relationship with the word of God? Huh? Do you love the word of God? You know, somebody came to me one day at work. I work with two guys who always talk like this, drives me crazy. 
God has a word for you. I said, oh yeah, he, I know he does. He, he's given me 66 books filled with words. <laughs> he's all, he always has a word for me. But do you have this relationship to God's word? Is it the foundation of your life? Does it set your worldview? Is it your spiritual food, your God, a lamp unto your feet? Does it call you to repentance when you read it? Or does the word of God simply decorate your coffee table? When you get in trouble, do you, is it then that you reach for the word of God? To find your favorite scripture to pray back to God. If you're going to live in the light of Christ's second coming, you must be a person of the word. Exhortation number two, in order to live soberly and rightly in the light of Christ's second coming, we must be true worshipers of God. John goes in, right? He sees this angel, and we, we, we want to indict John. We want to say, hey, man, I would never do that. But listen, have you ever seen an angel? I haven't. These things are majestic. We would probably do the same thing. We'd want to worship. But he says, don't do that. Worship God. The angel knows that to worship anything outside of the Lord Jesus Christ is idolatry. John is giving us a basic sense of Exodus 20, verse 3, that we are to have no other gods before us. Listen, here's a question I have for you. What distracts you from a pure and simple devotion to Jesus Christ? This is a warning in Luke 21, verses 34 through 35. He says, distractions are coming. The cares of this world will weigh your hearts down. What is distracting you? Is it a good thing? Good things can become God things, and they can take you away from your pure and simple devotion to Christ. This hit me hard. I had asked myself this question. What is taking me away from my pure and simple devotion to Christ? You and I must ask ourselves this question today, and we must repent of what the Holy Spirit shows us. Exhortation 3, verses 10 through 11. The Christian, if you are to live properly in the light of Christ's return, we must proclaim his truth. You notice in verses 10 and 11, the angel says, hey, listen, do not seal up the truth of this, what you just heard. Don't seal up the word. Don't do it. You know, in Daniel, he tells Daniel, seal it up. Now he said, it's right now. You must not hold back the truth of this word, John, to the churches and your generation. And there is a message for us. We must not neglect the proclamation of God's word. There are some people that you have access to that I don't have access to through your jobs through your neighborhoods, they must hear the gospel. Why? Notice verse 11. Let the evildoer 
still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. There is coming a time in eternity future where there will be no second chances. Think about your mother. Think about your aunt. Think about your coworkers. There is coming a time when they will stand before the great white throne of Jesus Christ and they will give an account. And there will be no second chances. That's what verse 11 is about. It is appointed unto men once to die and then the judgment. Hebrews 9.27. There will be no purgatory. That's it. There are people that you have access to that you can build relationships with. I'm not asking you to stand on top of your desk and holler and spit cotton like I'm doing up here today. Huh? But I'm telling you, there are people that can't get in some of, into some of your facilities that need to hear the truth of the gospel. We must, if we're going to live in the light of Christ's coming, we must see that men need the gospel and that we must proclaim the truth. Exhortation number four, if we are to live in the light of Christ's return, verses 12 through 15, if we are to live in the light of Christ's return, we must pursue the will of God. Jesus says he's coming. He says, when I come, I will bring my rewards with me. To the righteous, he will reward them, not because of what they have done, but because of what he has done for them. He will say, enter my kingdom, you blessed of my father. To the unrighteous, he will judge them for their immorality and their unrighteousness. I want you to consider who is judging, not just a mere man, a local authority, a state official, you will be judged by God in that statement. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, a name, name of God, a title of God. You will not be judged by an angel. If you were judged by an angel, you may have a little bit of hope, but you will be judged by the Lord God himself. He has access to every thought, word, and deed that anyone has ever committed. His judgment will be so thorough. In Matthew 12, 33 through 34, he says that every word will come under the judgment bench of Christ. Scrutinizing judgment. Are you ready? Are you ready? Saint, this should move you to holiness. God gives the means to an end. He tells you that he's coming, and that's a grace to you, and it should move us. It says, when we see him, we shall be like him, 1 John 3, 3. And as a result of this coming, 1 John 3, 3, you purify yourselves. I heard a lady talk to me at work one day about the second coming of Christ. And she said, you know, I'm not worried about anybody. I know, I, she, she, I know that God is coming back for me. No compassion for the loss. No direction for holiness. This truth moves you to holiness and it moves you to love your neighbor as yourself. Do you think this is hard that God said here outside are dogs? 
outside are the immoral, the sexually immoral, the liars. Do you think this is harsh? If you think this is harsh, you have the wrong concept of who God is. Let me tell you something. My mother, she isn't perfect, but I know my mom loves me. Okay? My mom, I remember one day, my mom, and I'm almost finished. I promise you, guys, but I got to tell you this story. My mom said, I wanted to go to this party. This party was going to be jumping, man. Everybody that knew somebody was going to be at this party. I begged mom. I begged it for a week. You know, I know that's where my youngest son gets because he can beg you too, you know. Mom, please, please let me go to this party. Let me go to this party. Man, everybody's going to be at this party. You know, there are going to be people from other towns from this party. I want to go to this party. My mom finally said, you can go to the party. She said, on one condition. You need to be back in this house by 1 a.m. She said, if you are in this house at 1.01, you will have hell to pay. 1 a.m. I got to the party. And my mom warned me. She warned me because she loves me. You know why she warned me? She had my well-being at heart. Man. We went to this party. I was dancing. You know, I was getting it, man. You know, I'm doing one of these. You know, I'm getting it, you know. My cousin said, hey, man, it's true. It's one, it's one thirty, man. We got to get out of here because everybody's scared of my mom. You know, everybody was scared of my mom. You didn't play with my mama. So we driving back. And on the other side of the road, we see these headlights coming. My cousin said, I think that was your mom. I said, I don't think it was. That was my mom. <laughs> I got in the house. I, I got back in the bed. And I acted like I was, you know. And she, come in the house. You can hear the door slam. Boom. I know you in there. And I know you just got home. And I'm going to get you in the morning. I'm too tired right now. But my mom warned me. Because something could happen to me out there. Something could go wrong. And if you think this is harsh, this is actually a manifestation. The entire book of Revelation is a manifestation of God's love to you. He is saying to you, he's better than my mom. He's perfect. He's telling you that I will judge before I come, repent. Believe on my son before it's too late. Don't make the same mistake I made with my mama. She didn't have a hell to throw me in, but I can tell you what, if she did, she would throw me in there that night. Listen, we must trust in Christ. We must know that he is coming to judge. Exhortation number five, you must respond. Verses 16 through 21. If you do not know Christ, you must respond this morning. I wish I could make you respond. I wish I had the power to change your heart this morning. I don't. 
All I can do is cry out to you to trust in Christ. Jesus, in verse 16, authenticates his word. He tells us that he will come. Verse 17, he says he is coming. He has made amazing statements about his coming throughout the entire book of Revelation. Verse 18 through 19, he warns us about tampering with the revelation of his word. We are constantly tempted in this world, particularly here in America, to tamper with God's words. Let me tell you something. I'm going to lean over for this one. Don't do that. If Jesus Christ says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6, no man comes to the Father except through me, that's truth. You can't get there with Krishna. You can't get there with Islam. Jesus Christ or nothing. Don't change that. If he says that you're saved by grace through faith, not of works, least any man should boast, don't you think for the least bit that you are saved because of what you can do. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done. Do not change his word regarding salvation. We are always tempted to change the word of God. Jesus Christ, in the last two verses, affirms his coming. And they pray, come, Lord Jesus. Do you pray that? Are you so occupied with this world? Do you so love this world? that you want them to hold off just a little while longer. I'm going to tell you what, I want them to come back and bust some things open. I'm tired of this political stuff. I'm tired of this racism. I'm tired of all of it. And I want him to come back, like Abraham Kuyper said, to hear him say, when he comes through the sky, all of this is mine. Do you want Christ to come? Are you right with the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know him this morning? Do you? You must repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He was judged so that he would not have to judge you when he comes. Trust in him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to him, and he will not cast you out. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this word. We pray that its truth would sink down into the hearts of your people. We pray that it would form their lives going forward. Lord, bless us as we uh, head home this morning. Do not let us forget this word, but ring this truth forth in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a message by Demetrius White given at Redemption Hill Church in Richmond, Virginia. For more information on the church and to hear other messages, please visit us online at www.redemptionhill.com.